2: I don't know about everyone listening, but after a long day of work, I just need to come home to a nice, refreshing tall boy to ease my stress. I actually just had three or four last night, if I'm being honest. No, not those tall boys. A refreshing tall can of liquid death was exactly what I needed. If you've noticed a new tall boy can in the water section that looks like a beer or an energy drink, it's actually liquid death, a mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, or in three different flavors. Try the lime, trust me. Why is the water called liquid death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. There's just something special about grabbing an ice-cold can of liquid death, hearing the pop when you open it, and quenching your thirst with the best-tasting still or sparkling water on the market. I honestly could not go back to bottles even if I wanted to. As I mentioned, I can't recommend the Sparkling Lime Liquid Death enough. It has the perfect lime flavor to go with a crisp, refreshing finish. It's also the best water to mess with just about everyone you know, as they probably think you're chugging a beer in your car or a work meeting at about 9 a.m. Seriously, guys, check this product out. I've been absolutely loving it, and I know you will too. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or hy or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday. 20 minutes
3: a day, 365 days a year. Pack-A-Day Podcast. What's going on Packers fans? Welcome into another injury report Saturday of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I am your co-host Matt Frelick alongside with me, the OG of my partnership with Pack-A-Day Podcast, Janelle Mackey. Janelle, the Packers are on a four-game losing streak and I've heard you know, people a lot smarter than me over the years saying the om- the best way to break a losing streak is to play against the Detroit Lions. Can you <laughs> confirm or deny that uh, wife? still?
4: I mean, it seems logical, but you also think about, like, years past and how sometimes, you know, the Lions, when they're down in the season and the standings, like, you never know what kind of chaos they're going to cause on your season either. We've seen it usually at the end of the season, not so much um, – in the earlier parts of it, but there has been moments where the Detroit Lions, they know that things aren't going well for them and they just kind of exist to cause chaos in the standings. So at this point I am not saying there's any guaranteed wins. Uh, There there should never be people saying guaranteed wins, but I don't even know if I can confidently go in there and say like, yeah, they're going to win this one. Uh, I mean, I, I think that they will win this one, but the confidence is kind of more questionable these days, and I'm not going to go in there overconfident as I would normally against a team like the Lions. And I mean, one in six, like there, you never know what kind of one in six team you're going to have. There's there's teams that barely lose, and I feel like Detroit is usually one of those teams where it's like they're better than their record shows most of the time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Packers have dropped, I mean, if you look back, the last, what would be the last five home games, or excuse me, the last away games in forward field for the Packers are three and five. They lost last year to the Lions 37-30. It's a, you know, the Lions, I expected a lot more from them this year. I'm I'm assuming other NFC North fans have as, as well, and I'm sure Anyone that supports the Motor City Dam, Campbell, Detroit Lions expected the same from them. But like you've mentioned, like they're always there to, you know, mess up the dance for someone, whether it be at the end of the year, on, you know, at home, their offense is, was, I should say, playing up to a high standard. It has been um far from that at this point. Definitely shifted down from fifth gear and in the uh in the, the 65 right lane, that is for sure. And they have some injuries that we're gonna have to get into this week. And the injury report is very dense for both teams, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't think this isn't necessarily a for sure win for the Packers. I think it's a great matchup for them, but ultimately a feisty Lions team that is going to try to get after it and really playing with reckless abandonment, nothing to lose similar to kind of what we saw the Texans on Thursday night. If anyone watched TNF, um, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles battled throughout and that's kind of the same mantra and at least the same formula for the Lions, uh, I think, path of success that I'm forecasting. And I think a lot of people are going to end up forecasting when they look at this injury report. So we're going to start, Janelle. We're going to switch it up. Normally, we start with the Packers. We're going to start with the Lions just because of time sensitivity and there's just so many. I want to say there's over 10. I think we have 12, 17, or excuse me, 12 or 14, if I'm looking at this correctly. Plus, they have a lot of guys on the IR, uh, one of the more injury-prone or injured teams that we've gone through this year. And I would think across the league that have some injuries. So I'm going to fly through these super fast. And we'll see how well I do. And then we'll go back and uh, take a look at some that are, I think, just impacting the team and some question marks. So Derek Barnes, linebacker, he was a full participant Thursday, Friday. Limited participant. It looks like he has no injury designation. Taylor Decker, probably the most, one of the more important ones in the offense, has a groin. Limited participant all week. Didn't even practice on Wednesday. And he is questionable. They're starting left tackle. Um, on a formidable, I would say, offensive line. Got some young pieces there. Deshaun Elliott. Batting with a, a finger all week, tape that sucker up, full participant. He has no designation. Charles Harris, however, is questionable. Their defensive end with a groin. Uh, he's been having, you know, some just supplemental role throughout this year. Nothing to worry to be about because he's backing up Aiden Hutchinson, um, their rookie from Michigan. We look further down the list, we go to Mike Hughes. Chase Lucas, both cornerbacks with knees. Chase Lucas will not go this week. Not a huge name on their depth chart, but definitely, definitely a spot where they've been depleted all year. And they would probably like some you know, special teams help from him because they've had a ton of injuries. But not as notable as Mike Hughes, who's definitely a super savvy veteran uh, corner. He is, I mean, poss- he's, I would say he's probably their better nickelback. Um, But if he can't go, that kind of scatters this defensive backfield a little bit even more because it is kind of banged up because we already mentioned um, Deshaun Elliott as well. You look into Melifanu, the safety, got an ankle. He is out. Matt Nelson, another tackle with a calf out. Not a starter by any means, but definitely another depth piece I'm sure they would like to have. AJ Parker, heard this before, another cornerback, hip injury. He is out. DNP all week. Um, he is generally their starting nickelback, I believe, but Mike Hughes has been taking that over um, the last few weeks. Frank Ragnall one of the better offensive linemen, probably a cornerstone within this um, offensive line for Dan Campbell for many, many years. Limited on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday, Friday with a foot. He has no injury designation, so that's a big boost for them without Taylor Decker possibly being able to go. Um, Penny so well. Did not participate on Wednesday, Thursday, had some personal issues. He is not a veteran, as we know, young man, that they're trying to build that right side of the offensive line around for the Lions. Uh, but Like I said, full participant on Friday, no injury designation. Probably the second no- most notable or tied for it on the offensive side of the ball is DeAndre Swift for the, um, the Lions, obviously the running back. With an ankle shoulder injury, that has been the bugaboo for DeAndre Swift's career thus far. Start of the year really strong. That was a lot of a reason why the offense was flowing that in Armand St. Brown. He's questionable with that ankle and shoulder. I imagine if he does go, um, whether or not he does go, I should say, it's going to be a huge Jamal Williams show. Um, they got a couple different running backs there that they've been running the ball with a little bit. And I think between Jamal Williams and also... uh Uh, Craig Reynolds is someone they've given the ball to quite a bit recently as well just kind of trying to play some ball control and the final one is Brock Wright tight end concussion concussion. he's questionable not too sure Uh, might get called upon a little bit since he is the starting tight end Janelle after they traded uh, Hawkinson this week kind of in an interesting move and they have James Mitchell there to back him up if he can't go as well so Janelle, a ton of injuries to get to from the Lions. I think I want to first and start and just talk about the defense because it's kind of – I mean, they're historically bad. I think there's – like, out of the last 743 or 734, I'm going to do some quick math on how many years that would be, they're dead last. Like, the, the dumpster fire for a defense um, over the last – let me see here. It would be over the last – I want to say, like, 25 years. Like, the worst defense historically through – um this many weeks in the season so they're super banged up at cornerback and safety as we mentioned there's four guys there that are have or excuse me five guys there that have injuries across the board two safeties and then three cornerbacks like the path of success we thought last week janelle was for the packers to run the ball they did do that in the second half and made some strides against the bills in buffalo but i mean the path to success this week seems like you're indoors Thank God it's not in Green Bay because it's raining like crazy here, and I think it would impact the game pretty significantly. It's supposed to rain all weekend, but in closed forward field, do you think the path of success for the Packers in this, with all these injuries, would be to throw the ball a little bit more?
4: Yeah, I mean, as I've said, Aaron Jones should be the centerpiece of this offense, and maybe that means throwing the ball a little bit more to him. I mean, we've seen him involved in both the run and in the air game. Um, It was nice to see him get those 20 touches against the Bills. I think you could see... more positive outing from the Packers and I I think it's safe to say a lot of that comes from him being more in control of the ball and everything like that so I still think you continue to run the ball and focus a lot with Aaron Jones uh, featuring AJ Dillon also but yeah I mean especially with the Packers injuries in their receiving core this could be a good day for guys like Dobbs and it was nice to see. Uh, Toure get involved so it could be ways for them to kind of step in Um, obviously we'll kind of get to more of the injuries there but you know the the Packers offense they're banged up as well so it could kind of create good balance there um, and help Aaron Rodgers and his young receivers to be able to take some of the weight off of Aaron Jones and also incorporate um, the the pass game as well. So I think that, you know, obviously you want to see everyone's best out on the field, but it does kind of work in the Packers favor because of their injuries. So it kind of counters each other when their offense is injured versus the Lions defense is injured. I think that that could open up some um, opportunities for the offense to which we saw them kind of finally connecting a little bit more in that Buffalo game. So hopefully they can kind of um, open that up a little bit more as well, because they, yeah, I mean, with no Randall Cobb, banged up Lazard, banged up Watson, uh, you're kind of running with the young guys and, um, against a team that is really struggling with injuries in their backfield like that. I think that there is a lot of opportunities to mix the pass and the run.
3: Yeah. And and
4: succeeded it, hopefully.
3: (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I think any way you want to slice and dice this defense, um, is achievable because it's just so bad. Like I can't stress enough how historically bad it has been. Um, If
4: you can do what you did against the Bills on offense, there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be able to do that and then a ton more against Detroit.
3: 100%. I mean, I think there's still serviceable players. Like I said, Aiden Hutchinson, I think I said he was a rookie. He's a second-year player, obviously, out of Michigan. Uh, Jeff Okuda, he was injured most of last year. He's still there. Will Harris, who I think is a really underrated uh Secondary player, kind of a high risk, high reward player, and then up in the middle, you got the the long haired, almost looking like a former AJ Hawk, number thirty four, the middle linebacker, Alex Anzalone. Like, I think that'll be a fun matchup to see him and Rogers go at it because he's a pretty heady player. I want to say that Rodgers has complimented a few times on his performance. So there's some players still there for them, but with all these yeah. injuries in the secondary, I just think it's it's it should be a field day to throw the ball. And if you need to run the ball, I think it's achievable because they don't have. I mean. Based off of just this, the depth chart. There's not a ton of big names that I'm like worried about, like running or being able to run the ball against. So I think it's, I think it's a path for success for the Packers. So let's get, let's go to. I mean, besides, like I said, DeAndre Swift is one of the big ones, and I think Taylor Decker both questionable. So we'll be checking the um, final injury reports at 10:30 Central Standard Time on Sunday.
4: With Swift, whether he's back or not, Jamal Williams has been getting a lot of carries and this team is familiar with who Jamal is.
3: Yeah. So, it'll be fun. I mean, the way, and the way Jamal plays, right. Super passionate. player. It's, like,
4: it's, it's also going to hurt.
3: Yeah, to see exactly.
4: Because just of who he is as a person, a player, it's like you, like it, he can succeed every other week, but yeah. Yeah, let's, let's make sure that we stop him. And even if Deandre comes back, you know, he's been dealing with these injuries for a while. Like, are they going to have more on a pitch count? Is he going to be ready to kind of take the load? Um, We'll kind of see how that plays out. And then, yeah, the tight end position could be interesting with no Hawkinson and um, that position kind of being a little depleted. And Mm -hmm. then also their receiving core. I mean, it's Uh an opportunity. Obviously, the Packers, um, we're talking a little bit about the Detroit secondary maybe not being the best, but the Packers, you know, there's a lot of really ugly flashes from them. So, I mean, they are kind of running out of targets as well. So that could also be huge and kind of them – rebuilding their confidence, because there's no reason why our secondary should be um, playing the way that they are, but a team like this that's so depleted on both ends, it could be a confidence-boosting game, and just kind of rebuild that morale after some ugly, ugly games.
3: 100%. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the secondary, because I think we talked about that before we started recording, and I definitely want to highlight that more, that Amon, uh, Ross St. Brown, obviously EQ's brother. Um, He just came back, I want to say, from injury last week or was banged up the week prior, Josh Reynolds. I would, uh, you know, when a guy's listed as doubtful. I mean, we don't really get into this as much as we probably should um, as the injury report. When I see people that are doubtful, I go to instantly to the injury. What is it? It's a back injury. One of the more, you know, inhabilitating injuries you'll have. So I look for if, if Amon St. Brown somehow gets active and is just having a day out there. You would have to think that it ended up not being Jair shadowing them all game. I really trusted our corners quite a bit. There was some, I heard some scrutiny over Eric Stokes this year or this last week. I think that's agreed upon, but like a lot of it has to do with the way the safeties kind of play and roll coverages and, you know, like that. And I just, sometimes I don't think it's all those guys' fault. And I I like the matchup when we would get those, those corners, because at the end of the day, if they're going to roll out there with um, just Khalif Raymond Mon Ross, St. Brown, and your boy Tom Kennedy, the pride of Bryant University, you know, <laughs> shifty little lunch pail guy. I don't expect there to be much success there. And this should be, like we mentioned um, before we were recording, like this could be a, easily is something you don't screw around with. You just come in and you just run with them with the best safeties, you, or excuse me, the cornerback matchups you have. No yeah, you talk got- of Darnell in the slot. No talk of Rezul to the, uh, the safety spot.
4: Shut down the run and make Jared Goff throw to these guys. And, and- – Hopefully that kind I feel like I say that every week though, because we haven't been playing a lot of gifted quarterbacks the last few weeks outside of Josh Allen, where it's like the run game kind of exceeds um, the quarterback play. But I mean, we know what we get with Jamal Williams. We know what we get with Jared Goff. So if you can take Jamal Williams out of the equation, assuming that Swift either isn't going to be taking as many snaps or whatever, or, you know, shut down Swift, if he is not there playing, um and make Jared Goff throw the ball to you know his third fourth fifth receiver
3: mm-hmm. 100%. So we've mentioned the Packers defense quite a bit right? Shut down the run game potentially depending who's run the ball for them. Get after Jared Goff a little bit, get those guys their our ears pinned back around the edge and maybe let's get some I don't know interceptions or something. That would be fantastic. Uh so you look at the defense for the Packers. I would say it's it's there's a few different injuries occurring there than we previously have seen. You know, the notables on the offense are generally a couple receivers, one or two of the offensive linemen, being Boxcara, Alton Jenkins. Those, all of those people have the common denominator once again of falling on the Packers uh, injury report. But let's get to the defense first because I think that's where we see some new names. Like I mentioned, uh, unfortunately, Shamar Jean Charles with that ankle DNP again this week, out for back-to-back games. We also saw and had to look up because I didn't really remember this, nor did you, was Preston Smith got hurt towards the end of the game Um, with that shoulder kind of got probably, a, I'm assuming something happened where he got a knee or a body just caught him in the shoulder or the neck. He was limited all week with those injuries. He is questionable, so it's, I believe, one of the first time we're seeing him on the injury report or mm-hmm. at least in the last couple weeks. Yeah, We see the boy Devondre Campbell, who I've been somewhat critical of him the first couple weeks. I feel like recently he's had a Couple good games, but he had that kind of scary knee injury. He was a DNP all week, and he is out. So a big blow to the middle of the Packers' defense. Obviously, they were out with him last week for most of the game, alongside uh, his counterpart Quay Walker, who had the silly rookie mistake. Who I'm sure he's corrected that, and I remember hearing in the press conference this week that they're moving past it, and he's moved past it. So and he's gonna. Kid,
4: he'll also wear the the. Mic or whatever the um what do they call it in the helmet with Campbell? Got being the green
3: dot. call it the green dot. He's got the green yeah. da, the microphone. He'll
4: he'll kind of run that. It sounds like so going from you know getting over the mistakes from last week to being kind of granted that in the absence of Campbell, it'll be really interesting to kind of see a young guy like that yes move into that role because obviously Campbell um, we saw last year and obviously this year the leadership that he provides even with his gameplay so that'll definitely be it'll be a huge piece missing in him and it'll be really interesting to see how walker kind of steps into that role
2: hello friends by now you've heard me talk about the new brand of water that looks like tall boys of beer liquid death this crisp refreshing mountain spring water from the alps that comes in still sparkling and three unique flavors is by far and away the best brand of water on the market one of my favorite aspects of Liquid Death is that most water companies use plastic bottles, which is beyond terrible for the environment. Most of the plastic you throw into a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. But aluminum is infinitely recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities, hence why Liquid Death uses aluminum cans. Most importantly, the water tastes great. I can't get enough of the lime sparkling water and my family has been drinking them non-stop. It's always fun seeing our sons get crazy looks as they are downing tall boys out in public as well. If you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, what are you waiting for? You can get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you using their store locator at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: 100%. And Walker, unfortunately, hasn't been used in the full capacity. Um, limited downs. I believe he's only been used for like mostly running downs, uh, rush downs. Not a lot in pass coverage. The combination of him being out there along with, more than likely, Isaiah McDuffie, uh, who we've seen out there, not my favorite combination, Isaiah McDuffie, to see him on the field. Uh, we saw a good dose of him in Buffalo this last week. So hopefully Quay can step up to the challenge and at least get the calls right because the communication has been scrutinized for weeks Couple of years on the Packers defense, um, that's they've come. That's come to light a little bit more this year that they've mentioned that is an issue there. So it'll that'll be definitely be a test for the um, the young man Quay Walker and going up against an offensive line. Like I think that's a solid offensive line, heady players. They they can get out and they the way they can block for their running backs is is, diff, is pretty formidable. And the way they can get the the pass or excuse me the pass protection for him as well. Um, so that is it that we have on the defensive side of the ball. But let's get the offense, Janelle. You know, again, some of these are very, very common.
4: I was going to say, I feel like the offense almost never changes.
3: It barely changes. It's just that like, it's like a rotating door on the receiving core. And then it's usually yeah. like it's either both David Bakhtary and Elton Jenkins, one or the other. And that's – and then, oh, and our favorite, just the Mercedes Lewis uh, veteran wrestling yep. that he always gets and like – it's just, it's funny to see that on there all the time. We saw that last week with the Bills, but it was just like the way they had designated it was a little bit different. But ultimately, yeah, Big Dog doesn't really need to practice. But he, like he's it, just
4: always, he's kind of just always on here for that vet rest. They got to make sure we know that he's getting those days off.
3: <laughs> I respect it. So David Bakhtiari didn't practice on Wednesday and Thursday, limited on Friday. Questionable once again the seesaw, the merry-go-round, the pendulum, whatever sort of analogy and uh, noun you want to throw in there or object that has been David Bakhtieri's 2021 through 2022 campaign is still up in the air. It's Honestly, I've, I felt like the first couple of weeks I talked about it till nauseam on Packaday, on Final Dump, on just random Twitter conversations. I'm to the point where I just, I just put it to to bed because I'm confident with the five that we were all out there. Um, I think the offensive line has done pretty damn well this year, all things considered. And at this point, I'm really, really not sure if I can rely on David Box here as a fan. I'm sure the Packers kind of feel the same way because it's been last minute. And it's just, it's one of those things that they're constantly dealing with. Um, And then Elton Jenkins, again, with the knee and the foot, mm-hmm. he was limited most of the week DNP on Wednesday. He's questionable. It's just like this, It's just, I don't know. The offensive line to me is like really frustrating because it got our hopes up a lot for me, anyways. Like David was gonna be back right at the the beginning of the year. He wasn't. Elton was ahead of schedule. Now it seems like he's regressed a little bit. It's just kind of frustrating to see the status of these two the two better offensive linemen for us. Well,
4: Elton adds the foot injury. So it's not even just his knee. Yes. You're also adding in this foot injury. And you're wondering kind of like what sparked that. Um, I don't remember seeing the reports as to what what it was, because the foot is what kept him out on Sunday night against the Bills. Um, not so much the knee, they were saying it was more so the foot. So it's just kind of like, I mean, you have this talent at offensive line and it's just, they cannot get back to like a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's making it tough on like, I mean, it all kind of starts in the trenches. So um, it's been kind of frustrating in that sense. And you obviously like hope for their health, you know, you want them to be healthy and feel good and all that stuff, but you hope that they can just find their way back onto that field on a more consistent basis because, you know, there's some games where you have both, some games you have one, some games you have none. And all of a sudden it's just, there There has been no consistency in the offensive line. And I think that that in itself can really skew with the offense as a whole when it's like, you don't know, it's kind of like offensive line roulette every week. What are you going to get? Who's going to be in front of you? Who's going to be protecting you? Who's going to be creating holes? Just kind of all that stuff. So I think that the inconsistency of that could also be playing a factor in um, the less successful season that the offense is having for sure.
3: 100%. I totally agree with that. I don't remember where I said this, but I just feel like when David Bakhtari is not out there, Aaron Rodgers just lacks a little bit of a trust in the offensive line. Um, whether or not they're playing above average or letting him get absolutely destroyed, like we've seen in some games earlier this year, he just doesn't seem to have that – that trust when his buddy David's not out there, but at the end of the day, like you kind of got to move past it because there's some talented guys there. Um, the one that continues is concerned me besides David Bakhtiar, obviously is Elton Jenkins. He's just like like you mentioned, that foot coming up, it I I don't know. It's you want to see him make strides, and there's so many so much conversation about where his final destination as a position will be. And we've just like yet to really diagnose that because we haven't really seen him out there all that much. We saw him at left tackle or excuse me, at left guard, uh whatever game. What what was that? Right before the Bills game. It was the um the Washington game. We saw them at left tackle. That's when they had uh, Zach Tom out there and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know where if he ends up at left tackle, right guard, right tackle. I have no idea, but ultimately I'd like, love to see him out there more. So yeah,
4: he it it's hard when your utility offensive lineman is unhealthy. Like when you're like a successful high performing utility guy who can basically play anywhere on the line that you put him at a high level is just, you know, riddled with injuries. And that's kind of, I mean, it's, it's not his fault, obviously, but it just gets frustrating that he cannot get healthy because you want to see him out there and you want to see him performing. And I mean, no, nobody's like asking for these injuries. It's just like bad luck. And it's getting to the point where it's like, can just one of them consistently be healthy? Because their names have been on the injury report all year long, regardless of the, if they're playing or not. They've just been on it. Now we're in week nine, so it's it's like I just I'm waiting for the day that their names are finally removed from this list and we can just move on. But I just I feel bad for them because I you can't imagine what they're going through trying to be able to be out on that field. And it's just like week in and week out worrying about these injuries and, you know, it's tough.
3: Yeah. It's super. I mean, the silver lighting is that we have a, you know, you've talked about Elton Jenkins being a utility offensive lineman. They have many utility offensive linemen, but knowing that one was the best of his position for many, many years, one of the best left tackles packs ever had to Elton Jenkins being a young star for the Packers, so much high praise for him the last few years. And, Finally getting recognition seemed like over this offseason, him being um, not really progressing with this injury, almost just like maintaining. I think there's a conversation we had if they rushed him back a little bit sooner um, than expected. I think it was faster than I expected. But at the end of the day, still, unfortunately, both of them questionable with lower body injuries like they would be designated if they were in the NHL. So we look to the other offensive linemen. We already talked about Big Dog getting that veteran rest. Hopefully he enjoyed it. Um, I know the the boys had a pretty decent um, Halloween party, I believe on Monday that Aaron Rodgers talked about on Tuesday on Pat McAfee show. So that probably allowed Mercedes Lewis to be out a little bit later that night. Good for him. Yeah, we
4: never even really, you know, we were all kind of anticipating there was a no videos. costume no that was go- going along with uh, Rodgers' haircut. And I I searched, I really did. I did not find anything. I know people were thinking he was going with like a Peaky Blinders. Idea there because last year he had the hair for the John Wick, yep. but I saw, I saw like nothing. I saw Randall Cobb, and I think that's about it.
3: So he ended up going. I didn't see, I didn't see really anything on social media yeah. yet. So it's mostly I mean, just done on Instagram stories, but I know yeah. when, he, when he went on McAfee, he said he was going as uh, geez, uh, Jim from The Office when Jim would just dress up with like a name tag on of someone else. Apparently, I'm not a huge oh, Office fan, yeah. but he would just do that and wear that. So that would, apparently was his outfit. That's what he said. Um, although it just seems very off brand from Aaron Rodgers to do that. You, I mean, um, how do
4: you go from like trying so hard one year all the
3: time, too? All yeah, the time, it's not I just mean, for Halloween, it's like all sorts of stuff,
4: yeah, to just like something so simplistic. It Rodgers, aside from wanting to simplify the offense, is not a simplistic person, <laughs>
3: no, absolutely not. So We got Aaron Rodgers, as you mentioned, still with the right thumb injury, limited participant. He's going to deal with that all week or all year. I mentioned that last week, just about like, I feel like sometimes Aaron Rodgers uses those injuries as a crutch a little bit, but at the end of the day, like it's, it really never, I mean, it's the NFL. Once you get an injury, it's tough to get past it, especially your right throwing thumb. Like it's going to be tough for him to get past it. That's, I would imagine that's going to be, you know, debilitate him all week, just like he had with, or all year, just like he had the calf. Um, couple years ago
4: which you know another reason that you should be basing everything off of Aaron Jones
3: I mean
1: when
4: when your quarterback's thumb on his throwing hand uh is a continuous you know it's obviously enough where it keeps popping up on the injury report and he's limited practice and all that stuff so it's obviously there's something enough where you know you could kind of be a little bit concerned about it and maybe it does affect the accuracy and maybe it does affect you know his ability to get the ball out quick and we don't we don't really know because i'm not a professional nfl quarterback i don't know how much it matters if your thumb hurts or not but i would assume just you know throwing a ball in my 26 years of life that yeah when your finger hurts like it can cause some you know problems so again like it he can throw we saw against the bills but i think that you know again use aaron jones as much as you can So that he doesn't have to use it as much, and then you can't, you know, blame the thumb either when you're running the ball most of the time.
3: And it just looks so good in the third quarter, and you can make the argument whether or not you know the the Bills had backed off a little bit; they were just letting the Packers, you know, they were being passive, letting them get that. But it was just like when they relied on that run game in the third quarter, I was, I was befuddled, and more on Monday, I was like, damn, like were they letting them get away with it, or was it just really finally like? Adhering to the fact that like you need to run the ball more, so we'll right. see what they do a little bit more on offense this week. Uh, they'll be down with some pass catchers still. Christian Watson concussion, not a hamstring anymore. Uh, it looked yeah, like a scary brutal. It, it looked oh. like a scary hit. Yeah, like it. It's it was. I, I was
4: looked as concussion, but it was like neck scary.
3: Yes, yes. So. Everything compressed when he ran into the, the, fact guy that and hit the only ground. Only
4: concussion is kind of relieving.
3: I totally agree with you. And then um, Alan Lazard still dealing with that Rice Krispie shoulder snap, crackle, pop, pop, as he mentioned it, limited participant all week. He's questionable. So we once again are relying on the young guys to try and move the ball down the field.
4: And Randall Cobb on IR still as well.
3: Randall Cobb on IR as well, along with, I believe, Sammy Watkins is still good to go. He is not listed at all. So we have Sammy <laughs> Watkins, Romeo Dobbs. Actually, that wasn't even making a joke. I was just, I was I know, legitimately just... <laughs> confused whether or not he was good to go. Um, we did see Amari Rogers though, have some success. Um, okay. Keep, your him on off, offense.
4: keep him off special teams and utilize him in your offense because there's been multiple weeks now where he'll get like one target, but it's a really good target. Yeah. So it's like he doesn't need to be taking like wide receiver one snaps, but like get him a little bit more involved. And, you know, we've seen Rodgers try and like take, like, yeah, he could have had the deep shot. Um, was that Washington? But like get him. I think that he could find more success if you involve him a little bit more. And especially with Randall Cobb being out, he like this was supposed to be where he was if Randall Cobb wasn't on the team. Mm-hmm. So maybe find ways to utilize him a little more. Plus, I mean, I, you know, Kylan Hill has returned, so you don't know where his, where he's going to start to flow back in. Um, so, yeah, things are going to start changing a little bit, but I think that uh, Amari Rogers, he's shown enough flashes where it's like, why not? You know, at, at this point in the season, everything is kind of just like, why not? Because we're yeah. on a four-game losing streak and got to figure out what you got to do to win. And if that means that Amari Rogers takes some snaps, because you're down some receivers, then so be
3: it. I mean, you just got to find guys to move the ball down the field. Exactly. Like, it doesn't really matter who it is at this point, but you're limited with the guys you have. And they were a, you know, I guess a, a, a all wide receiver twos basically to start this year. So it's, at this point, you need to, whoever you can get out there and sling the ball to. I totally forgot about Kylan Hill coming back. Great tweet from him. um doing the uh, I'm ready or tweeting out the I'm ready Spongebob video. I saw that <laughs> yesterday. It was fantastic to see. So I would imagine he would take over returning. Um, I, I just, I mean, maybe it's just kick return and you don't see Nixon out there anymore. Maybe it is both punt return, but I would love to see Kylan Hill back in the field. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, I'm sure it's a little bit of gun shy going back there from, you know, going to the same spot you were when you were injured, but, I think that should open up an opportunity for Amari Rodgers to to take some of these snaps, especially this week when it's like Christian Watson. When you saw him go out, now he knew basically all week. You got to think that there's going to be an opportunity for you, whether or not both those guys between uh, Watson and Lazar would be out, or even one of them goes. Like you're still going to have a better opportunity to get in there with um, just Cobb out, and you got to kind of fill that slot role a little bit. And he he did look good. That's the crazy thing. It wasn't just like cheap yardage was getting at the end of the game. Maybe right. there's a player too, but like, it he wasn't was, like
4: scrap was looks. It was legit.
3: <laughs> exactly. So like, I, I look for him to step up, but ultimately like get the ball to 33 any way possible. I feel like it's just like, if you can run the, the snot out of the ball, like you were doing last week, just, just take it to him. Um But also I think there is something to be said about like getting this offense in the rhythm a little bit in the passing game, because I don't think it makes sense to just like to take the, not to take the week off, from the passing game, if you get away with it, but just like still use it as a, a, just to try all these other receivers out, right? Get the confidence up with uh, Dobbs. If Toure goes a little bit, get him involved more. He had a great heady play last week on that, basically like a broken play where he faded to the, uh, the back of the end zone. Yeah, but get these guys involved and get these young receivers more snaps. If and, and run some of your RPO stuff or your your bubble screen stuff or the stuff where you got to get them out in space blocking because I think that's where um, these guys will take the next step for this offense.
4: Yeah, and I think that's another spot that you know, with or without Lazard, poses a big question. Uh, you know, question as to the downfield success because of his blocking. So, mm-hmm. and especially with it being a shoulder injury. Blocking your shoulder gets involved in that. So at this point, I think last week he was already ruled out. So I I, I do kind of have a little bit of confidence that maybe we'll see him out there. But um, yeah, who's to say at this point? I... I don't know. We we got stuck with uh the injury report on a pretty brutal year, I think.
3: Hundred <laughs> percent. Like we had a little bit of a lull for a while, but all of a sudden it's just like
4: yeah, we're
3: back we're back to almost that, that double digit mark for the Packers and now another super depleted one for the Lions. But albeit as it may, it's still gonna roll out there, right? It's still gonna be a tough matchup, oh, yeah. like we said beginning of the episode. I you know, they might have one win throughout the whole year. They might be in a, a terrible spot um defensively historically, and the offense just somewhat somehow fizzled um as of recent but it's a rivalry game nfc north like we said to the top of the show lines have played really really well at home versus the packers recently and uh three of five of the last five games on the road and they won the last year and we the packers split with them but end of the day should be a good game look for the final injury report to release 90 minutes before the game so you can have an update on Who's going on the offensive side of the ball for the Lions? Whether Taylor Decker is good to go at left tackle, DeAndre Swift, and of course the Packers, you got a couple question marks across the board on the offensive side, as well as Preston Smith with that weird shoulder neck injury um, that happened late on Sunday's game. But, you know, we get to go into another week, hopefully breaking the streak. I want to let everyone know what you got going on, working in contact with all the content you're putting out, Packers related and et cetera. And, uh, I was going to say any plans for the game, but I know you got probably got camps to do. But let us know what you got going on.
4: Um, No, I actually have nothing going on. I'll be able to just Wonderful. enjoy watching the noon game against the Lions with my dad at home. So that will be nice. Um, these noon games are nice. It's like I still get to sleep in, but then I still have my day that I can get stuff done, which is super nice. So it'll be fun, you know, make some breakfast and then watch some football and just hopefully have – a good Sunday, because with those noon games, you, if you get the win, it's a good day, but if you get the loss, then it's just a long day and hopefully break that streak and, you know, everything will be okay. And we can finally remember what victory Monday feels like, but until we get to that point, you can follow me on Twitter at big Mac underscore four. That is where you will be able to find most of my content posted. Um, I have, open book every Wednesday over on Game On Wisconsin with Zach and Eli, who Eli unfortunately couldn't be with us today due to being stuck in some pretty ridiculous Chicago traffic. So, you know, just another reason to dislike Chicago. <laughs> um, and then you can find me obviously every Saturday here breaking down that really brutal injury report for the Packers on Pack a Day with matt and typically eli and then anything else whether it's packer report or whatever it may be hockey all that good stuff just make sure you're following me on twitter and that's where you'll be able to find all that good stuff
3: absolutely um yeah eli i mean eli just dealing with you know a rainstorm apparently in chicago and it shuts things down around rush hour which respectably so chicago's rush hour really really shitty even when there's so
4: glad that i don't have to drive even remotely near a city because i know the twin cities get really brutal i live like pretty close to where i work which is super nice i don't have to worry about highways or anything like that so i just i feel for all the city folks out there who that's like a part of your daily routine yeah
3: absolutely atrocious um For myself, you can find me still on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Similar to Janelle, I also put out some content for the squad over at Game on Wisconsin. Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. On the YouTube page, on Twitter, on Facebook, you can watch Brendan Dworzynski and I put out our weekly episode of The Final Dump. Live streaming and podcast form on Tuesday mornings where we get your podcasts. Breaking down the matchup that was the night before the day before, for that matter, dumping it all from the, that previous weekend and setting up the week with some previews, what to expect, any injuries to take away, and then also our final ep- or final segment, significant to some, where we break down the early, early betting lines and if we like them and we kind of use that as to factor in our scoring predictions that ultimately suck because it's tough to predict a game on Monday. Janelle, I hope you have an enjoyable weekend. I'm glad that you know it's a Packers. I, I'm I'm glad the Packers have an opportunity to get ahead of a you know a, a terrible losing streak. But ultimately, if they lose this game, holy shit! You said you were off Twitter uh, a couple weeks ago. I think I might join you in that uh, Twitter hiatus. Um, yeah. it's just, it's going to be a tough thing and who knows where Twitter will be even come Monday with, uh, the guy Elon Musk taking it over. But for Janelle Mackey, I am Matt Frelick. You guys have a great weekend. Let's hope we get to talk to you after a successful, a win, but also a victory Monday from the Packers. Um, and we'll see you guys next Saturday for the injury report breakdown before the Packers take on the Dallas Cowboys. But for Janelle Mackey, like I said, Matt Frelick, you guys take care, be well. And as always go pack. Go pack. Go. Paco.